Oh, that movie I loved. Was it Ninja Terminator? That's what it was called, yeah. right? Oh, I love that movie because it is wacky. <laughs> Robots and ninjas and curses. And I mean, you can't get enough. It's so good. You are listening to Geekdom in Powers. Hello and welcome back. My name is Gaianson and this is Geekdom Empowers. Today is a very special episode about empowerment. We're talking to Avril Halley, who works for the podcast How Did This Get Made? If you haven't heard it, run out and listen. You don't need to run. It's probably where you're listening to this now. It is amazing and funny and just listen. Now, the reason this podcast is called Geekdom Empowers is that geekiness, that thing which we have that makes us experts in something that most people don't understand, don't care about, don't know anything about, geekiness is basically being specialized in something just for the fun of it, just because it makes us feel good. Uh, whether it's Star Wars or Smurfs or the Muppets or anything, or bad movies. The point of Geekdom Empowers is that our geekiness can empower us because we are experts in something. So, Avril Halley likes movies and she likes to watch bad movies. Uh, and she is now making a living from watching and recommending bad movies to How Did This Get Made, the podcast. Uh, and she has a YouTube channel called Movie Bitches uh, with a friend where they talk about movies. So, basically, this is what Geekdom Empowers is about. You take the thing you're crazy about and you make it your own. You can make it the thing you that you make a living from. So, in this uh, episode, we got to talk about bad science fiction and bad fantasy movies, about her criteria for recommending bad movies, bad movies that she wouldn't recommend but that she likes, and how movie bitches happened. And also about uh, how she got to have this life of geeky empowerment. So let's listen to this fun conversation. It's very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I first became, I heard your name the first time in the How Did This Get Made podcast, where Paul yeah. Schiff, uh thanks you at the end of all, basically every uh, episode, thanking you for wading through tons of bad <laughs> movies. And choosing that is true. Break. So can you tell me how you got to this place where your job is to watch bad movies? I, I know, right? Well, um, I was a fan of the podcast and then they had started to announce they were looking for interns uh, to help them pull clips, to do research, various different things. And I had a bad movie club all through college where we just basically mystery science theater started it all. Mm -hmm. For most people, I think that's a similar story. And we, so I submitted my audition or whatever and said, I love bad movies. I had bad movie club. I was already an editor. I was doing lots of montages and mashups for like different websites and stuff. So that was something I could do. And I didn't hear back for a while. So I assumed, okay, I guess that didn't work out. And then I got an email saying, hey, we want to see if you could fit for this. So at first I just was pulling clips uh, and not picking the movies. And then gradually I started suggesting things here and there. And 
they seem to like it and like it and like it. And now I'm kind of the, the picker. It's sort of organically happened. <laughs> so what does it, let's let, I'll ask it like this. What kind of bad movies? And let's concentrate on genre like science fiction and fantasy movies. Have you seen that are truly horrible? That are truly horrible? Well, I mean, there's too many to count. There's also varying degrees of bad movies. There's bad movies that I like that I wouldn't necessarily pick for How Did This Get Made? Because uh, they're too bad. You know, there's not enough to talk about, even though I like them kind of thing. So uh, there's definitely degrees of bad. Uh, and they, for the How Did This Get Made ones, generally I have to... I'll take notes, I'll watch, if I watch the first 15 minutes or so and I haven't taken any notes, uh, unless it's because I'm utterly baffled by what's happening, I'll say, okay, this isn't really gonna work out or whatever. So I try and uh, I keep a notebook and just go go through them, but specifically bad sci-fi. I mean, I've got one right behind me, Runaway. That's a good one. Yeah. Up there with Tom Selleck. I do have a strange fascination with Michael Crichton movies. They're like bad, but fascinatingly so. And he's really on the pulse of predicting like future tech and, and things like that. So his movies are fascinating to me, but yeah. I'm Depends trying to how think deep you get into Michael Crichton. Cause, cause that's true. You read, you know, the books and he, he goes, he does, he goes on the edge of what's almost going to be. And then he preys on your feelings. Yeah. It's going to be the worst thing ever, like Jurassic Park. And uh, um, and then the characterization, uh, the characters themselves are really one-dimensional. One-dimensional enough to be racist or sexist. So... Yeah, I mean, they're definitely problematic, but I do find they're just so... Michael Crichton, like they're they're yeah. so different. I really like movies where you can just you can tell who was behind it, kind of thing. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if he gets enough credit as a director for making strange choices. I would say. <laughs> Have you seen Looker? Have you seen that movie Looker? No, never heard it's of it. Michael Crichton. It's a Michael Crichton movie. And there's like a, a gun that slows down time and they do all these cool things where you've lost time as an audience member as well. Like, you know, because the gun has slowed time. There's lots of like cool stuff. It's not a great movie, but there's like very cool things within it. And so, I don't know. I wasn't expecting to talk about Michael Crichton that much today, but it popped up in my head. Um, sure. But yeah, and there's a look to it. Uh, there's a vibe. 70s movies really attract me. They just have the colors. Something about them is just very engaging. There's, so there's that. Yeah, there's. Uh, uh, um, I was like speaking of a different type of seventies. Uh, uh, I know. I should, so, I should have made a, a list. I'm sorry. I didn't think of making. A no list problem. It's we're being about. spontaneous. Whatever we can think. Okay. Of. Good. 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 Um, continue. I'm I'm a big Star Trek fan, and when I grew up. The 70s and 80s, we just in here we had one channel, and there was Star Trek when I was like seven years old, the original uh, series, and he both frightened me and excited me, and uh, and then there were no reruns, you know. Then there oh, was, really? 
yeah, no reruns. And, and then the next time I saw it, I was 20 something. And I saw it with a group of people in a bar and we saw one of uh, Captain Kirk's, uh, um, first of all, all the colors are really red and yellow and, and you know, super dramatic and close-ups and with intensity of that used yeah. to work then and doesn't work now. And then uh, Captain Kirk was doing one of his speeches and he had, you know, pauses, like 10 second pauses between, you know, and what we have to do is do it like that. And stop. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone <laughs> laughed and I laughed and yet it walks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He does have that charismatic, uh, he, he's drawing you in. He's yeah. making you listen, you know? You, you can't stop listening to him. It's very, yeah. it's very engaging. Yes. You know, I just, I listened to an audiobook of his, I don't remember which one, and in it, he talks about Captain, about um, Shatner impressionists, and he does uh-huh. a Shatner impression, and that is the <laughs> funniest thing I have. I, I bet Christopher Walken has a pretty good Christopher Walken impersonation. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what makes, like you said, the levels of uh, bad movies, like what makes a good bad movie and a bad like. I find there's a lot of bad movies that are bad in the same way over and over. And those get tiresome, even if they're 90 minutes. Uh, And so something with um, baffling choices or even just visuals that I'm really attracted to colors and visual things. So if there's great costumes, I'm immediately more engaged. Uh, If there's amazing sets, that kind of thing, or even shitty sets, but that like look, you know, interesting. I'm into that too. Uh, and so they have to have enough of a plot that you're follow, you know, engaged in what's happening or be completely off the rails that you're at least trying to figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and performances, it basically just has to uh, tickle that part of my brain that's, that stays engaged with the movie. If it's kind of long bouts of the same kind of bad stuff, yeah, you know, here and there. And I generally don't pick super super famously bad movies because i feel like they've been covered pretty mm-hmm. well you know unless there's a special guest or something like that but um there's some famously bad movies that i've kind of passed on just because i go well they've been talked about to death i don't know if there's more stuff to really talk about kind of thing so there's, there's also like um there's a difference between say uh Zardoz, which uh they covered, which yes. is pure madness. Um, Just, yes. <laughs> and then there's the Avengers, which is not the Marvel Avengers, but the British Avengers. Yes, also um, Connery. Also Connery, that's right. Um, and and which is mostly, like, it's mostly a boring uh, movie. Um, so it's, it's like, it has to be a too many things don't make sense rather than, you know, right? That's that's a sense I get. Yeah, I think um, basically I just go with my gut. If, if something has kept my attention and I keep on taking notes and going, what? If I'm constantly going, what? Then that means that, you know, it's a good one. And like Avengers, there's boring parts for sure, but you know, there's like a whole boardroom scene where they're all dressed like gummy bears, you know? Oh, so there's right. just stuff that's, that's like next level that you're going, what? 
you know, uh, what is this? And something about that movie failing its tone so, so terribly, because the show had, its, you know, the original TV show had a similar campy vibe, but it worked. And mm-hmm. this just failed. And, and that's interesting to me to like compare historically why things tonally work or don't. Um, that can be a lot to talk about. Um, Did so, you see the original yeah. show? I've seen here and there. I haven't seen every single episode, but yeah, I've seen uh, yeah. here and there episodes. I remember, I think in, in uh, uh, I was in uh, Tucson in the 80s and they, they ran a few Avengers uh, yeah. shows and I was too young to think this is bad. Like It was slightly boring and you didn't always get it, but you, you wanted to watch it. Well, um, I think Emma, Emma Peel's costumes helped for me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was too young for that too. Um, Perhaps, yeah. And at least to make it worth it for me. Um, I was a so, big, um, I was a big Get Smart fan. I think I like, not that they're the same, but they have a similar look to them. I would say. So, who fan like, I couldn't hear. Get Smart. It's, oh, they Get remade Smart, sure. it. You know, with that, there was like a Steve Carell remake. But I was a big fan of the original show. Sure. And I think Mel Brooks was a producer and, and maybe a writer on it too. So that that just that humor that's so dumb that it comes around and it's actually really smart when it works, that kind of stuff really makes me laugh. Like Zucker Brothers, uh, mm-hmm. airplane movies, like when they work, that's the hardest I'll ever laugh. Uh, and when they don't work, it's terrible. You know, it's sure. a fine line. <laughs> yeah, when they don't do it, you know, when, when it's not that, then they missed it by this much. By that much, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think Mel Brooks was uh, the producer. I, maybe he wrote like uh, a few, but I think he was the producer. So he created it and then left it alone. Uh, I think. Yeah. He sure. produced a lot of very interesting things, actually. He yeah. produced like um, Elephant Man. You know, right. he kind of took David Lynch out of the indie world and said, hey, but I think he left his name off of it on purpose because he didn't he want did. people to yeah, think it was a said, comedy, yeah. right? People would have a completely different expectation when coming to see it if his name was on it. So, yeah. Exactly. And, like, let's, most of our listeners, this is a podcast for geeks and, uh, uh, right. and nerds and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, can you recommend a few really bad genre movies? Genre to, movies? Yeah, like uh, science fiction and uh, fantasy. Oh gosh, I should have I should have prepared a list. It's so hard for me to, to like go thing. So I'll ask um, you okay. I mean it depends on what you're looking for. Like there's a really terrible sci-fi movie with Brigitte Nielsen called Galaxis that I there's like a special place in my heart. Um Galaxis? Sam Raimi has like Galaxis. It's not like, you know. Um, in the pantheon of amazingly bad movies, but there's something really um, rinky-dink and fun about it, and the performances are like all over the place. Um, but again, I don't think I would recommend that necessarily for How Did This Get Made because it's it's too bad. I don't know. I have a higher threshold, I think, for badness. Um, and there's a really silly Mark Hamill sci-fi movie called Time Runner, where he's um, traveling through time and so it seems like oh, I'm trying to remember 
if he knows the future or something like that, there's some kind of time travel device. And I think the big conceit of the movie is that there's an alien who's running for president and he's, his last name is Mila, which is alien backwards, which okay. really made me laugh. Oh man. <laughs> so, but those are like um, actually bad, but I like them. I don't know. It's hard to tell these days. This is this reminds me uh, of an Asimov story. There's a really short Asimov story where uh, basically he says, yeah, I think he challenged, he and another writer challenging themselves to to have stories based on really bad puns. Oh, okay. And and so basically there was like an election in, in uh, on Mars, and someone on the radio was saying, you know, you play this piece of music and that guy will win. Uh, and that piece of music was uh, the Mouse Use, which sounds like Mouse says yes. Okay. And that was the whole conceit of the whole thing, and that's why I won. The big I do find that is, to be. Yeah. I find that to be delightful at times, like yeah. Troll Two, and they're in Nilbog, which is Goblin, which is confusing because it's called Troll Two, and all that stuff. That's always fun. Okay, and, and what's your favorite uh, bad science fiction or fantasy movie? Um, science fiction or fantasy. Oh, I don't know if I've picked my favorite one. Um, I'm trying to think. I should go look at my uh, bad movie drawer. You oh, I do. You know what? Well, I have um, VHS is coming out my ears. I think one that's really up there for me is uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, that Rowdy Roddy Piper movie. Oh, yes. You know, big ideas, silly costumes, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that that one's good. Um, I don't know off the top of my head exactly which yeah. one I would say. Yeah. You, you said you had a VHS draw. Like, do you still watch those things in uh, videos? On VCR? Um, I, it's more like a, a collection of artwork at this point. I don't actually watch them. Uh, I mean, I have a VCR because there are some tapes that are not available. Uh, sure. So if I had to, I would. Uh, but no, I don't watch them on the regular, but... I've got them displayed and all that fabulous artwork um, that goes into the cover art is that's kind of what I enjoy about it. Okay. And so let's move on to uh, movie bitches. Can you okay. talk a little more about that? Sure. Um, again, like most things, it seems that was totally an organic thing too. Andrew and I met at film camp. We were both counselors. And we just, hold on, you know, this is yeah. not, you weren't like, I imagine you met a few years ago. If you were counselors, that was yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, we just, you know, got, had the gift of gab with each other and we were um, at Sundance one year and we were just going on and on about some, I don't remember, but some movie we had seen. And this was when you still had to wait in line at Sundance. Now everything's like electronic, but you used to have to go three hours ahead of the movie. 
and try and get a number and get in and all this stuff. And so you'd meet people in line and these two women said, you guys should do this for in for like, you should film this. This is, re- you're really fun and funny. And we were like, what? And so we said, well, let's, you know, try it and see what happens. And we just sort of enjoyed ourselves and kept on uh, making stuff. And now we've got a little bit of a following, which is super fun. And that's kind of the whole story. <laughs> All right. And what happened once you started? What, what I'm trying to get at, aside from letting people know about the stuff you're doing, uh, is how it seems to me that your life right now is basically you get to do the stuff you wanted to do. You have a, uh, you have a YouTube channel where you, you, you talk with your friend about stuff you care about. And you watch types of movies that you like for a living. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's a podcast about empowerment. So how, how, how did that process go? How did you become, how, how, like emotionally, how did you, what was your uh, emotional progress uh, or path uh, to get, once you were starting to get to where you are? Well, I was always movie obsessed since middle school. Absolutely obsessed. Uh, I had a film, like a good film club uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just never a question that I would do something related to movies. Uh, it just never occurred to me to do anything else. And so I went to film school and got into editing a lot. And then actually I got my first um, job, uh, movie job with, uh, through YouTube. I had done, uh, for a thesis project, I had done this mashup about Harrison Ford and all of the times he's, his family or his wife is in peril and, oh, my wife and my wife and my wife. And I just had noticed this pattern and I thought it was so funny. And so I put together, it was going to be an art installation that would just like loop. And so it would be even more ridiculous that it just kept looping. And I threw it up on YouTube, just kind of thinking, oh, that'll be fun. And it kind of had a pretty popular, you know, view count. And I got an email uh, from a guy who worked at Movie Phone and said, hey, do you want to do mashups for us uh, for a living? And I, or, you know, the, at that point, I didn't have any idea that it would be a, a career, but I, he said, would you, you know, we could pay you to do these mashups. And I said, absolutely, that would be so fabulous. And so then I had a few different websites that I started doing. They would give me the prompt and I would just, at that point I would go, uh, I'd have to go to the library to um, find all the movies that I needed. And I would put together these mashups for them. And so that was what I was doing for a while. And then uh, Andrew and I started doing movie pitches and I just sort of always, put it out there that I would be doing something to do with the movies and I happen to love talking about them. And so that was kind of how it happened. How much time does it take to uh, edit a mashup? Uh, oh boy. Well, um, it used to be a lot longer because the technology was so much more difficult to pull clips and stuff. You know, now you can find everything on YouTube or whatever. Um, but it could take, you know, if I was, uh, you know, depending on the prompt, two or three weeks, 
a month, depending on how extensive. I really tried to get a variety of movies. I'd throw in a bad movie anywhere I could, you know, a really weird random one if it fit the prompt, just so I could have like, uh, not just, you know, the Academy Award movies or, or whatever the movies that everyone had heard of. Um, so that's, and you really enjoy the process of editing, finding, adding, putting, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, uh, putting putting together like a, a montage, which is like a mini movie. And that's really fun. You still have to have a rise and a fall. And if it's all the same, it gets boring. And so it's sort of like teaching yourself how to edit a mini movie and then expanding from there. I saw... I saw your mashups that have to do with how did this get made. So I saw, I think, the Face Waterfall one, that was yours, right? Yeah. Uh, from uh, Face Off, all the Face Waterfalls, all the hands on there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It was cutting a trailer of, uh, uh, what is it called, Goldbugs, Ladybugs? Oh, Ladybugs. Ladybugs. That's, that's the most fun, I think, uh, for me. Jason, I think, had said, this is like a David Lynch movie. And so I was like, oh, that's, it's kind of like a, like an exercise that they would give you in school, right? Okay, take all this footage, but make it into a completely different tone or genre. And that's so fun. You get to pick all these little pieces and, and mash them together and, and figure it out. So um, that I find to be really fun and engaging. Yeah. Good, nice. Uh, and what do you see as your path forward? Like, what do you, what do we want to do now? What, what, like, um, what are you planning? What's the same? I, I generally make a, make a plan to not have too much of a plan, uh, but just to keep doing what I'm passionate about. I'm trying to uh, go with what feels the most engaging, the most fun and um, keep pressing on, pressing forward. Keep spreading the joy of terrible, terrible movies. <laughs> how do you get to, how do you find terrible movies? Um, a lot of times, and this is what I used to do when I was just watching every movie I could get my hands on, is if I find a director I like, I'll go to IMDb, look through every, you know, thing they've done, and... Generally, I mean, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but generally, I'll, I'll if I see a poster that's really like engaging, I'll you know look it up and then I'll kind of read about it and go, oh, this could be interesting, and then I'll screen it and see if it's it's worth their time, kind of thing. Uh, so, picking an actor or a writer or like a random character actor even is really helpful because you'll go, oh wait, what is this random movie that no one's ever heard of, and then it ends up being really wacky. It's, it's there was so you're judging someone by the cover. There was I don't remember the, the name of the director of the movie. Uh, okay. the Ninja was in its name. It was the director directed about 130 movies by taking other people's oh. movies, cutting them together in different ways. Oh, um, his name starts with a G. I want to say it was like Gregory Ho, Jeffrey Ho. I think it was Jeffrey with a, with a G. I think it was Jeffrey Ho, I believe. Oh, that movie I loved. Was it Ninja Terminator? That's what it was called, yeah. right? Oh, I love that movie because it is wacky. 
Robots and ninjas and curses and I mean, you can't get enough. It's so good. And, I was watching this um, recently. I was watching this very strange Clive Barker movie called um, either Lord of Illusion or Lords of Illusion. I think Lord of Illusion. And it's got Scott Bakula and all these great character actors. And it was a very strange movie. I was thoroughly engaged. It wasn't necessarily bad, but... There was like a scene where, and then there was just a baboon that showed up. And I was like, oh, well, that's an indication of something that I'm engaged with. Like, and surprise dropping by a baboon for no particular reason. Like it was just a very strange movie. And so that something that really surprises me, I find that newer movies uh, don't surprise me as much anymore, uh, but bad movies still do because they're making choices that just aren't made by a studio basically. And so those kind of movies where I'm genuinely baffled, I find to be very entertaining, actually. <laughs> How did, did you, were you the one to find Velocipaster? Yeah, that one was, you um, everybody was talking about that movie that summer and I had put it on a list and that one was right on the edge because that movie knows what it's doing, but yeah. it so charmingly knew what it was doing that I, I like almost wanted to just share it with the world because I find I found it to be delightfully aware of itself. Where usually you don't want to watch a movie where they're trying to be bad or where they're, but something about that movie was really hitting on all cylinders. They knew what they were, what the joke was, and I felt the actors just perfectly rode that line of like cheesiness without falling to one direction or the other of good or bad. So that one was, that one, I was on the edge about that one, but I thought, you know what? This is so delightful and weird. I have to, I have to share it with the world. Nice. How many bad movies do you see a week? Oh, like uh, well, it depends on, you know, if they have a, um, I mean, I'll just watch bad movies for myself too. So that's a thing that happens. I've got, you know, lists going all the time of, on my phone of things to watch. Um, so it really just depends if we've got a bunch of shows coming up, I'll try and watch a whole, get a backlog ready. Um, so I'm not in a pinch. Um, but I don't know, on average one or two, maybe depending. Yeah. Wow. So, so hold on. So you watch about one or two bad movies a week and you end up recommending one for every two weeks. On average. Um, so it's yeah. Like you have a pretty good hit rate. It's like one in four. Well, like I'll turn off, sometimes I'll turn them off. If I'm not, if it's not working, I'll just go, okay, next, let's do something else. Because I used to force myself, I'd go, no, you got to watch it to the end. What if it gets amazing in the last half hour? And I'd go, no, you can't do it to yourself. So, um, so yeah, I'll turn them off if, uh, if they're too bad. But um, yeah, I've got a pretty good, I feel, radar at this point for what's going to work and what's not going to work, I guess. And it also helps. I try to keep a variety. So I don't want to do, even though we are doing a bunch of clone movies right now, um, I try to do different genres and not do all the same in one go. So it's more exciting. Hmm. Can you recommend something you know they want to do, but maybe we should watch? they won't do like um, movie you would have given to them but you decided not to give them but it is well, often 
often if movies aren't available for like streaming or something, you know, there's movies that I would like to do, but that they're just not like readily available. So it doesn't make sense to do them for the podcast, but something that, um, oh, well, there are movies that I keep trying to convince myself would work. Um, like uh, I've watched the old Flash Gordon, not the original series, but like the 80s one with the Queen soundtrack. I I've saw it in the it, cinema. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've out. watched it like two or three times and I keep thinking, oh, this would work. And then it's too good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always think, oh, no, but it's, it's too aware and actually competent, even though it's incompetent. And like the soundtrack is so good um, that I just, that, that one is one that um, I probably would keep on the shelf just because every time I watch it, I'm convinced that it's, um, that it's too good. But what was that the one with, like, the, um, with the, um, there's like a, a steaming halo, right? In the beginning. A steaming a steaming like one. Hail, hail. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, hail, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a, there's like a freak storm, and yeah. and um, Flash Gordon's a football player, and he he gets transported to a different planet with that lady, and then uh, it's it's all over the place. But I, I don't know. Every time it. I watch it, every time I watch it, maybe it's just the Queen soundtrack. But every time I watch it, I go, no, it's too good. <laughs> um. There was a uh, prelude to a kiss was one that I, I kept wavering back and forth where um, I genuinely couldn't decide if, if I just thought it was bad or if it was actually bad. That's the one where like Meg Ryan swap body swaps with like oh. an older man. And then Al, um, I almost said Alan Rickman and then Alec Baldwin and him are like in this weird body swap love rom-com thing. And I right, let's explain it. Like, let, let's explain it. So she, oh, yeah, her, her, you go ahead. They're in love. Mel, uh, Meg Ryan Meg and, Ryan and Baldwin. Baldwin in love at the height of their cuteness. She then on their wedding day runs into an older man who who has dementia and wanders to the wedding. And for a brief moment, they both wish they could switch places because she's having cold feet and he's at the end of his life. And so they body swap. And then essentially Alec Baldwin takes this older man in Meg Ryan's body on their honeymoon. And there's all this sort of stuff, but it's based on a play. And it's, yeah. so it's, it's kind of classy in that way. And so I, I kept watching it going, do, am I the only one that thinks this is, is very strange and bad or is it working on some level? Like, I feel like that movie might work for some people. So that was one that I kind of wavered back and forth on. And then I finally said, no, we have to do this. It's too wacky. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else you want to say to the world? Oh, I don't know. Big question. Um, uh, well, I was, um, I mean, we could talk about books. You want to talk about sci-fi yes. books? Yes, yeah. let's talk about books. I just finished reading the original um, Thrawn trilogy, the Star Wars Extended Universe, Universe Thrawn trilogy. Have you read those? No, By I Tim haven't read any Star Wars books. I hadn't either, um, but they take place right after the original trilogy. And I was kind of uh, interested in expanding my, you know, 
Star Wars universe since I haven't really been into the movies lately. And so I read all of those and they're really fun. They read like, you know, screenplays. They're just super fun extensions of the characters you already know. So I was just reading that. And then have you read um, Alfred Bester? Yes, he's very good. I just, I just read uh, the, the Star is My Desti Destination, or it's also called Tiger Tiger somewhere, I think in there's two names. That book blew me away. That was amazing. It's amazing that it blew away today because th that is like yeah. 70 years old or something. When oh, yeah. The world was much different. And, and it's so, new. it's actually so topical when you read it. It feels brand new. And the world that he builds and the visuals and the fact that, I mean, the, it's unfilmable. Like, I think everyone's tried to make, or they've tried to make uh, The Demolished Man into a movie. That's kind of like minor minority reporting-ish. Okay. But um, reading it, I was going, oh man, I'm sure so many people tried to adapt this and it's just impossible. I would highly recommend that book. That book blew me away. That was amazing. Alfred Bester changed many lives uh, of people that I know. Just oh yeah, yeah, made their minds explode. It, yeah, it was it was a mind exploding experience, truly. And there, there he didn't write that many that many novels, so yeah. I don't want to savor them. It's like um, it's like Ira Levin, who's another of my favorite writers. He really didn't write that many books, so I'm kind of like doling them out. Uh, and so every book is different. And every book is different. So different, crazy different. A Kiss Before Dying, another book that just completely blew me away. I Love didn't that, that book. Didn't, didn't, you did. That's no, his first. I think this one, A Perfect Day, or something like A Perfect Day. I have an amazing dystopic world of one person going against uh, uh, kind of a brave new world kind of thing. And oh, okay. Because oh, I, I, this. The Boys from Brazil, that's the name. So the Boys from yeah, Brazil. Yeah, I, re I read that recently, yeah. I think Those the first boys. one I read was um, Stepford Wives uh, because that mm -hmm. movie changed me. I saw that movie and it freaked me out. And so I said, I got to read this book. Um, and then I've just been a fan of his ever since. How did the movie change you? Like, it, was, it was just like um, one of those where you go, oh, um, the world is really, really against women having independent thought, where you just go, whoa, like, uh, it, it just, it like opened the curtain, you know, where you're yeah. like, oh, oh my gosh, because <laughs> I think I saw it in, I want to say middle school or high school or something, and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is a terrifying nightmare, and I feel like Ira Levin really does a great job of writing horror that's horrifying for women specifically without being misogynistic or anything, but just like, I don't know, he really knows how to get into that psyche of like societal things that are really terrifying. And so that I, he just, I love him. Try this perfect day if you've never read it. This perfect day. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna find it. Have you read Jack Vance? Sorry? Jack Vance. Jack Vance. No, I haven't. I should He's write it one down. of the old, uh, you know, he, he was active back when Bester was uh, there and Asimov was at its height. And he wrote like, completely, um, completely different stuff. Jack Vance. Okay. Great adventure and mystery and 
when he's good, he's amazingly good. And when he's bad, okay. he's terrible. So it's like Robert Altman. <laughs> and and the thing is that when he's good, he's got great mysteries. He's cynical all the time. He's the way he phrases things is uh, he's funny, and he creates. He has amazing. Uh, um, uh, uh, he builds walls in an amazing way, mm-hmm. and he's is seen one that you would recommend. He, Oh, let's see. Okay, I would, well, so I don't read a bad one. I, I'm afraid to recommend something because I'm afraid that he's aged and it's, he's really hard to read. Um, oh, okay. Drive is a short story, like a novella called Nopal Garth. N O P A L G A R T H. Okay. No, nope, which is found in one of his stories. You can. Um, oh. Now I put um, you on the spot <laughs> to well, think of something. No, he's, I'm trying to remember like his really great. Uh, like on the one hand, he has like big, huge trilogies, which are really interesting, but sometimes they fall in the middle. Uh, and so, but I think if you take one of his uh, um, standalone books, like okay. 200 pages, 300 pages, Pick one randomly that sounds interesting. Uh, His descriptions are so dry. Mm. Sometimes you think I shouldn't be reading this, but on the other hand, he's so rich uh, that you should. He's doing it on purpose. So, yeah. I'll check it out. Try, try. I've been reading a lot, so that's exciting. Okay, so uh, listen, um, thank you very much for coming and sharing your story and uh, talking to us. And um, and it's been really great. Thank you. Oh, good. I'm glad. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for Avril Halley. It was so nice of her to share and to talk about her path. I hope you found this conversation empowering. You can find Avril at avril.com. That's A-V-A-R-Y-L.com. Where you will also find the mashups she edited, including the Harrison Ford one uh, that she talked about. It's hilarious. You've also got Bruce Willis being confused and dozens of others. To see our mashups for How Did This Get Made, you can go to Bananas Melonas. I think that's how you pronounce it, on YouTube. That's Bananas, and then Melon A.S. You've got the Face Waterfall one, Schwarzenegger saying Hercules. And just the cut for Mr. Nanny was someone, well, they caught, the camera caught someone throwing the dog into the river, which is, if you haven't listened to the How Did This Get Made podcast, that Mr. Nanny episode, well, they find it out. Uh, it is amazing. And it's hilarious in many, many ways. So check out Movie Bitches on YouTube as well. And thank you very much for listening. Next time we tackle the world of indie comics. Geekdom in Powers releases three episodes a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you want to contact me about the episode, this episode, other episodes, you want to suggest uh, guests, Email me at guy.hasson at geekdominpowers.com. That's G-U-Y dot H-A-S-S-O-N at geekdominpowers.com. Check out our website, geekdominpowers.com. Our Twitter and Instagram also at geekdominpowers. No hyphens, no spaces. 
My name is Guy Hassan. I will see you next episode. And for now, have an empowered day.